finishing the hat. How you have to finish the hat. How you watch the rest of the world from a window. While you finish the hat. Mapping out a sky. What you feel like planning a sky. What you feel when voices that come through the window go. Until they distance and die. Until there's nothing but sky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Best Theater. I am your temporary host, Cody Derricks, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Dan Bayer. Good evening. Casey Lee Clark. Hello. And Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. So, yes, it's my turn once again on the ones and zeros <laughs> to co-host this, um, I was like, weeks, months next best theater episode and this month we are covering one of my absolute favorite not even just musicals but pieces of theater sometimes sunday in the park with george this is a show that means a lot to me and i know to a lot of people out there so i thought what a good time to discuss it i'm gonna really quickly go around and then um land on myself and we can talk about our um, maybe like personal histories with the shows, whether productions we've seen or albums that we listened to first, just a, a general overview of how we've connected to it. So, uh, Nicole, do you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Well, put me on the spot. Um, yes. So I feel like I first became aware of this show, honestly, whenever I heard that they were doing it in New York, this most recent revival with Annalie Ashford and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I remember kind of looking up some stuff then just because I was like, what, can Jake Gyllenhaal sing? Um, spoiler, <laughs> he can. Uh, did you not know of the Little Shop of Horrors? I didn't. Did? I didn't. <gasps> um, yeah, but so I remember then, didn't really get into it. And then um, back at my last job, whenever I was living in New York, I listened to music a lot at work and I would uh, try and listen to new cast albums every week. And one week I listened to the original production of this and then I listened to the revival cast album and kind of fell in love with it. Um, I definitely had heard bits and pieces from it before. Like I have the Josh Groban CD stages where he sings finishing the hat. Like I was aware of it, but um, it's kind of funny that I didn't come to it sooner because I'm a huge fan of kind of impressionist painting as a whole and also pointillist painting. Um, but then I recently, uh, leading up to this, I've been obviously listening to both albums a lot. And I also uh, watched the filmed version of the original production with Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters, which, yes, you can buy on DVD from like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the fun places that you get obscure DVDs um, and just fell even more in love with it. And I'm really, really hoping to get to see it live uh, at some point soon, maybe in the next year, planning a tentative trip to London and hoping to see it. When it goes there. Great. All right. I, I bought my DVD of the show, the original production at RIP Borders in like Aww. 2006. Oh, bye bye Aww. Borders. But thanks for the song time. Uh, all right, Dan, how about you? Well, my, <laughs> I, I don't actually know when I first became like aware of the Sunday in the park, but um, it was always like growing up and loving musical theater and performing musical theater Sondheim was always like the difficult shows, the hard shows, the adult shows. And, um, specifically Sunday in the park with George and, um, 
uh, a little night music. We're like, the, those are the real adult ones. Those are the serious ones. I like whether or not that's actually true. And I think you can argue that maybe it's not. Um, so I, it was always sort of like on my radar as like something that I will have to wait until I get older to listen to. And uh, that never really happened um, for no good reason. Okay, um, Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I grew up. I grew older. I grew up. But me listening to it when I got older never did. Um, until now. So you really didn't have a history with the show until this uh, nope. podcast oh, forced you to. Only preconceived notions. Wow. Okay. Uh, Little baby. And I, I mean, the, you know, thank I, God bless, um, oh, what is it, American Playhouse or whatever the program was that did the recording of the original um broadway production because it's it's really something to see it's really amazing how we have a an official recording of like half of the major Sondheim shows of the 70s and 80s we're really mm. truly blessed <laughs> it's unbelievable there's so many composers that you can't say the same of but we can revisit the original Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park, Into the Woods. There's like concert versions of Follies and the cast album of Company recording. And it's it's really lucky for people like us and you know theatrical historians. It's it's a really not just a gateway into it, but a nice slice of history. So if anybody hasn't seen any of the film productions from the 70s and 80s, definitely watch like all of them. <laughs> They're all exceptionally done and you won't get better productions of them probably for a long time. Um, all right. Who's next? Let's see. How about Casey? Yeah. So I think I first got introduced to this on good old PBS through the Sondheim birthday concert. I'm pretty uh, sure. Right. Did Bernadette Peters and Mandy Patinkin do move on during that? Am I imagining um, that? Mandy Patinkin did Finishing the Hat, and then I believe they did move on. And I remember because I was there. I'm always oh, going to wow. brag about this. You Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's got to be the third time I've mentioned <laughs> it on this podcast, but I'm never going to stop bragging about it. <laughs> he mentions it even more not on the podcast for the That's rest of Seriously. <laughs> Can you believe me? <laughs> we talk about the color red, and you will have pictures of ladies in the red dresses. Oh, red? Like the dresses? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, but I think move on was the one that I remembered sticking out at that point in my life. Um, and then I, that was the only song that I knew for a while. And then I don't know what provoked me to listen to the cast album, my freshman year of college, but I did. And I fell head over heels in love with it. I love the lyricism so much. And it's one that I constantly go back to a lot. And I think that, yeah, that like getting into a certain Sondheim show when you're older versus like I did Into the Woods in high school and like listened to Sweeney Todd. So this was like, you know, a little more grown up. And I think it's the one that I continually re-listen to. So it's it's probably my favorite Sondheim score, which is saying a lot. And I don't think it's perfect by any means. And we'll get into that. But I think that everything that I look for in a musical, it has. And I think that especially that original recording, I Mandy and Bernadette have some of my favorite unique voices. And I just, I think that it uses them so well here. And it just like the whole thing just emotionally devastates me and I love it. <laughs> so yeah, that's it for me. Cosign on that for me. Um, I like that you say it's your favorite score of his because 
when I think of Sondheim, I kind of judge each show on the merits of music versus lyrics for some reason, because he's such a famed lyricist that I really have to give, you know, due credit to the exceptional lyrics of his shows, but the music is also so good. And I've always kind of maintained that Sunday in the Park, I think has my favorite lyrics of any Sondheim, but not my favorite music. I probably give that to uh night music or Sweeney Todd, I think probably would be up there. Passion. Passion. Uh, Passion is the opposite where I think that's a good score as a whole, but I have trouble kind of, uh, weighing music versus lyrics, but I love the music in that show so much. It is so never... lush and gorgeous. Maybe I need to give Passion another chance because I've never gotten into it. But maybe now, now that I'm older and wiser, that's maybe. one that, that I think yeah. definitely benefits from seeing the filmed recording because oh, that album is pretty yeah. hard to crack. Uh, yeah. um, but I love it now. Um, anyway, that's another podcast subject. We'll do that one day, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, how about hearing from our usual host, Michael Schwartz? <laughs> well, you know, I hate to be the boring one here, but my history with Sunday in the Park is actually pretty boring because it's just very much that of a traditional Broadway and Sondheim fan. Uh, I saw it for the first time on the American Playhouse recording, a DVD of it that was released a number of years ago. But I've known Sunday for years. I've known the references uh, to lyrics in the songs. I knew the songs themselves at a certain point. Being a fan of Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters, you know, I've been with the show for a while. But I didn't always love the show. I always really respected it. But it actually took me a couple listens to the album and a couple viewings of that recording to really become uh, emotionally connected to it, to become a real fan. And, you know, I think that just goes to show the level that Sondheim is working on here. He is operating on a much deeper level than a lot of Broadway did at the time. And I think that really goes to show that you don't just see this for the first time and go, oh, that was the show. I don't really need to go back to that again. He really makes you work for it and think about the different themes. And he makes it layered so that you keep returning and finding something new. But I'll tell you, the first time that I really heard of Sunday in the Park with George was before I really got into Broadway. And you're all going to laugh. It was when I used to watch Desperate Housewives on ABC. I knew this was coming. I was going to ask at the end of this. (laughs) Every episode of Desperate Housewives for all eight seasons, every uh, episode title was named after a a Stephen Sondheim song or uh, lyric from a song. And he kept returning to Sunday in the Park with George so many times over the course of eight years, Mark Cherry. He kept going to pick all these little lyrics, ones that you would look at and go, what show is that from? I don't remember his Sondheim song with that name. Just looking at the list here, he had Sunday in the Park with George, or Sunday in the Park with George for the first time. But then he would have Color and Light, Remember, Children and Art, Gossip. And the very final episode of the show was Finishing the Hat. Oh. Mm -hmm. So you could say he um, cherry-picked lyrics because his name's Mark Cherry. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think my favorite episode title over the eight years of that show, there was one episode in, I think it was season eight, Chromalome number seven. Oh. Yeah. How the hell did they tie that into God. the show? I have to ask. Was there any any connection? Uh, you know, I just see the name now, and I don't remember the content of that specific episode. <laughs> I'm sure they found a way. I think it was actually about an art exhibit, so maybe that's okay. how they did it. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, boring history but you know like anyone else i'm a big fan of the show now and you know what's not to love about it you have mandy and bernadette and this great sondheim score and a really Whoa. deep message and, oh we got a little contrarian not your here. turn dan we'll get to you later <laughs> no i think this Dan's is a contrarian corner comes later right here personally <laughs> speaking jerry herman disagrees with us but more uh, on that later. Oh. 
I love that take from Jerry Herman oh so much. We'll absolutely so have to mention that because it's so catty. <laughs> I love it so much. It, it is my lifeblood. So um, my history with the show, I have loved this show for a long time. Uh, I remember first listening to it when I was 15, I think. Maybe oh my even God. younger. Yeah, a little tiny baby. Children and, art. Yeah, I was a child. <laughs> and... For some yes, reason, the first year, wasn't it, Cohen? <laughs> the what? Oh, thank you oh. so much. The, for some reason, the first version of it I ever listened to was the, I think it's 2006 or seven London revival. The one that eventually came to New York uh, oh. with all the projections, which is a much more stripped down version orchestrally. But also the cast album includes much more of the show, whether it's like more interstitial music or dialogue. And I think that was actually a pretty good gateway into the show because it really paints a vast picture of what you're going to get when you see the show live. And it took me a few listens, but I remember being such a Sondheim fan already that I was like, I will love this show. I will take my time. I'll do the work and I'll figure out what the show is doing. And eventually it worked. And I remember watching the, like we all mentioned, the PBS recording of the original Broadway cast and I was liking it. I was enjoying it as Act One's moving along. And then Sunday, the Act One finale starts. And as soon as all the chaos stops and the cast just starts singing this almost hymn in unison, I just started weeping. <laughs> and it was <laughs> truly the first time that a piece of art has ever made me just cry. I, I, it's a memory I'll never forget. And ever since then, I've just been so connected to the message of artistic resilience and staying true to your passion. And I mean, there's so many just things you can grab from the show. It's so expertly layered in a way that I can't believe it's all packed into one, two and a half hour musical. I, I really count this as probably my very favorite show of all time, possibly. Um, so that's my history. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those, I meant to do this earlier, but for anybody listening who doesn't know the show or is for some reason listening to this blind, first of all, thank you for your faith and your fandom in us. But I, <laughs> I just want to do a quick little, uh, very brief plot synopsis of the show, just in case. So Sunday in the Park with George is a musical that tells the story of two artists. The show is pretty evenly divided between Act 1 and Act 2 about who they're telling the story of. Act 1 follows the real-life painter George Seurat as he works on his what would be, eventually become his masterpiece. It's a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jatte. And Act 2 follows the fictional great-grandson of George Seurat, who is a modern artist also named George. And he's struggling to find inspiration, and at the same time he's resistant to tapping into his family's artistic legacy. And if that sounds a little intellectual and highbrow and maybe even a little bit cold, um, that is not an unpopular opinion <laughs> about the show. Um, I know a few of you mentioned it in your kind of personal histories, but I know the show's initial reception was kind of uh, chilly and divisive. Um, and it didn't even do very well at the Tonys that year. I mean, Lakaja Full was the big winner that year, which there's a lot to say about, you know traditional musical comedy that you can hum going out the door versus uh, <laughs> highly uh, intellectualized uh, explorations of art. Not to put down either one or put another one above the other, but they're definitely different beats with different fans and different camps. Um, but this so, did win the Pulitzer. It did win the Pulitzer, though. The very mm -hmm. first show to win the Pulitzer and not Best Musical, which is a really, really strange camp to be in. 
was it was it Dan who said he found it a little cold the first time he listened to it? Who who didn't really connect with it the first time? That was me. That was you. Um, and I didn't and dislike you... it. I was actually yeah. a big fan of the songs and the performances and the staging. It was just when I was done watching it, maybe it was the hype that I had heard for so many years. Once it ended, it was like, OK, that was good. But that was the show everyone says is their all time favorite. OK. And then it just I had, to, I had to sit with it and go back. And it took a few times for me to really get on board with what everyone else was feeling. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but you've been listening to a preview of episode 20 of the Next Best Theater podcast underneath the Next Best Picture banner. In order to subscribe to us, you'll have to go over to iTunes or over to SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, all the different podcast providers. Subscribe to the channel and to get more, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you'll get the rest of this full-length episode along with other exclusive podcast content. Thank you so much for listening to us as always. We shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.